Hi, I'm Danny Belvin. And I'm Danica Brown. And we are biracial unicorns. And I'll get you, my pretty. Any little podcast, too. Hmm. Is there a particular <laughs> person you're calling out there? I I maybe I'm I'm actually just uh, foreshadowing of how people are going to respond wow. to this month's episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Do I mean I know people have like strong feelings about things that they cancel, but do people have mm-hmm. strong feelings about cancel culture too? <gasps> Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I I wasn't quite sure if that was sarcasm or not. <laughs> it's a it. I guess it's not a scary thing, but I think there's definitely like hesitation, and I but I also think there's some people who haven't sat down and had the mindset of just like, but actually, how do I feel? Not about things that are, are canceled, but about the culture itself. Mm. Though, I feel like people are fed a lot of things about mm. cancellation and why it's good or why it's bad. But we'll see. We'll see what comes out as we go through. Exactly. We have never just, we've did so well of just jumping right into this today's topic. I think gold star all around. This is the first episode of May's toolkit topic of cancel culture. Mm. It's uh, if you haven't listened to that uh, podcast yet, where we kind of introduce all of the material, please just take a quick second, do that. If not, uh, we'll definitely have it up on our Instagram, but follow along. Uh, We're going to be doing two separate episodes, as we've mentioned. This week, we're just going to just dive in. We're going to expand upon what cancel culture is. We're going to try to define it <laughs> maybe talk about a little origin we're going to actually share our views on it which i think is great because we we've discussed before i think this is something we're still working on mm. and processing through so yeah it is something that is we were talking about is really relevant and really on i mean in what other world do dr seuss sharon osborne and mr potato head all share something in common and <laughs> that, that's only through cancel culture is does that ever exist yeah, before we, we dive into that, I've seen Mr. Potato Head come up a couple of times, but I don't know <laughs> what what the deal is with that. Could you very briefly give me the rundown? <laughs> Girl, oh my goodness. Mr. Potato Head, I'm actually I'm actually misgendering him. He's dropping the Mr. Mm. Uh, he's just being just po- Potato Head? That's fine. He's just Potato. Yeah, exactly. They're trying to take away the... which. Genderizing a potato is still, if you actually sit and think about it, is so bizarre. And the fact that people are upset that they're they're saying that uh, public correctness, gender neutrality, non-binary uh, construct, what? which is funny. I know, which is funny to hear. They say they've gone too far. Mm. Because not that was my also, potato. Think, You're not taking yeah. my potato. Not my rustic. <laughs> Not my golden, not my red. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, they're they're saying that it's too much. That it, it's just gone way too far. But I think that was the same week of Dr. Seuss, and I think everyone was very tender. Mm. Excuse the pun. Mm. Uh, no, no, I'm trying. Like, look at me trying to be nice. It's uh, the people were mad about the just being Mr. Potato Head, and they're dropping like instead of it coming with one with a mustache and a hat and very blue, very obviously masculine. It's just parts. They're just potato head parts, and I'm like. Yeah, because it's a potato. So yeah, girl, people are mad. I think the only reason to have a Mr. Potato Head is to have like a Miss Potato Head so you could sell more potato heads. So you can sell the whole bag of potatoes. Just call it Mix Potato Head, right? That's like the non-binary 
Mr. Miss Mix. Yes! I love it. I would love And then it works. It's like a pun because yes. it's like you mix the, mix. the pieces. Yes. I love it. That's what they should do. People will be so angry <laughs> and I'd just be here living for it. I look at you, girl. You Mr. Calling. <laughs> I know you're not with capitalism, but marketing, girl. Oh, it's too evil. Can't do it, it is way too evil. But yes, but no, no other world where any of those three people have anything in common. But yes, Potato X, mixed potatoes. Uh, he was canceled, for lack of a better word. So yeah, super. I mean, th- that's just like the tip of the iceberg of where we are with this, which I think is why a lot of people, I mean, you're, it's hard to press not to find news, a podcast, a journalism who is not addressing this in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's dive into the origins of cancel culture, shall we? Before we try to explain what it is. We can maybe tr- trace this this lineage of cancel culture. It's, uh, I think, a, I think another reason why I was really excited to kind of dive into this because even the word like it's canceled, this is that's canceled is something that's oddly also being appropriated. And I would feel right now it, I traced it back through reading several articles, got lost on Black Twitter. Um, you I didn't don't get know I was lost make it. on Black Twitter. <laughs> you just like you get, you just live you there. Yeah, you get found. I love that. I love that. Black Twitter <laughs> is best Twitter. <laughs> so, the, but so apparently there is a song by a group called Chic or a collaboration of Chic in 1981 that was called "Your Love mm, Is Cancelled." Mm-hmm. So I listened to the, a, a little bit of that. Apparently the guy was really huge on TV. He had a bad date with someone and he was relating to not going on another date with someone as them being canceled. Now, fast forward a few more years to the early 1990s where the writer of a very famous black gangster movie, New Jack City, where he was listening to this song while writing it and put in there, canceled that someone was canceled in there. And so people started referencing this cultish like classic in reference through that, particularly through black communities, but also in BIPOC spaces of you're canceled. This is canceled. Then you kind of fast forward all the way to 2010, this, the same kind of ebbing and flowing. I think it turned into, you call it out, air it out. It's taken many forms and then Black Twitter exploded, happened to where this reference kind of come came back into relevancy. And I mean, the I feel like the rest is history, really. It, it kind of took on a whole momentum, like anything that happens in social media. It's taken, it's ran with it, it, it blows up. And now just two girls, mixed girls, talking in their closet about it. Yeah, that's the right history to trace. But I think there's... It's like two ends of the sword when we're talking about cancel mm-hmm. culture, right? There's the end that is very much rooted in this history that you just talked about, which is like mm-hmm. speaking truth to power. Mm-hmm. And then there's like the other end, which I don't know how how to call. Like it's like the conservative holding oh, on girl. to the way things are supposed to be end of cancel culture. So I don't and, and we. The conservative side of it is like so vast too. But I think in my mind also, it is to a certain extent extent like appropriated from black Twitter, but it's also white people been 
canceling shit forever. <laughs> it, yes. Like the, uh, yeah. the Salem witch trials. If that's mm. not cancellation, <laughs> I don't oh, know what the is. The OG. Right? The OG. <laughs> yeah. So we, like there, there's been cancellation and carroting as long as there has been. I mean, Jim Crow laws were just like trying to cancel black people. Like it's oh. all. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny when I when I was actually looking into this and trying to define it, I actually broke it up into three subcategories mm. because of that. So I have interpersonal community cancellation. Okay. And that's where I think there's this the call out, you call it as is, and this is going to be interpersonal relationships, like with family, an ex, a yeah. person, uh, a friend, even in jobs or within the community, like the community says, we no longer accept that. Um, and I think this is our calling out for justice as well. I think I'd put that in there. So yeah. a lot of people said that they thought Me Too was cancel culture. I disagree. But I, what I do think is a cry out for um, mm. for, for justice for people to be held accountable. So with that, I think it's more like the calling out in, in that retrospect. So I feel like there's this interpersonal communications cancellation. Then I think there's the pop culture influence cancellation. I'm calling that potato X cancellation and that's where i would put the category of celebrities social media influencers authors comedians personalities like i'm thinking kathy griffin uh when she had the very famous severed donald trump head to uh the muppets the muppet show on disney plus now has like a statement talking about that there's probably inappropriate displays or representations of people of different races you know we have that like the impact of that and then there's Mm -hmm. the political conservative collective (laughs) cancellation and that's where i feel like there's a historical oppression the the fighting against it this is going to involve obviously political figures i feel like this is more of the phenomenon and i put it into the cancellation of cancel culture phenomenon yeah i agree i think that last one often is because cancel culture, I think, if we were to define it, I really would I would push push hard to have like that speaking truth to power be part of what cancel okay. culture is. And I think that last one, part of my issue with that is like, you're not speaking truth to power. You are the power. Mm. Like, um, so it's like if you can literally cancel someone with your power, I don't know if that's cancel culture. That exactly. And there is this whole I mean, I mean, there's literally books that are saying like cancel, cancel culture. And that's yeah. that's that that definition. So for me, I feel like it was a disservice to lump everything underneath the same umbrella. And I think that's why I, I'm like, I had to split it up. It was just we had the too many veins of how yeah. it's used. But I, I think that's what we're talking about when people are fed these opinions. It's once again talking about what is this actually doing? What's the intent by it? What's this phenomenon? Because to me, I've always thought about it or what it was supposed to be is a shift or a mobilization of influence used by marginalized people to draw attention of wrongdoing, injustices, misstepping, mistreatment. It's just having that emphasis of the, the collective in order to, like I said, to call out oppression, to call out for apprehension, for apology. It's that was the movement. And I, it has morphed and changed, not by action, nothing new, but the label being able to use that label and turning that into victimization, which when we were, when we were uh, getting the research and all the materials for this, we were looking at it. They're like, look at 20, uh, 2021's victim lists of cancellations. I'm like, wow, even for people 
who have been proved proven to be in the wrong or have done something against someone is taking this idea of cancel culture and turning it into victimization. Mm. And I, I like to me that is that speaks volumes. I'm still trying to process what that what that looks like, what that means. But even just people saying, "Look at the latest victim of cancel culture," and I, yeah, girl, didn't sit with me. Yeah, it's the part of the difficulty, and you've tu- you've touched on this of talking about cancel culture is because it is so like big and unruly, and how do we define it? And if you talk to different people, they define it different ways. Some people really demonize it. Some people really like swear by it, and it's all these things. And for me, I love what you did with splitting it out into three things. I've been trying to think about cancel culture as a place in a a progression. Mm. You can think about addressing these wrongdoings and justices in like a various amount of ways, right? And so we've talked about like call in and calling out. And to me, those are like the first two steps, right? Calling in is appropriate for people within your sphere, people who you can have a meaningful conversation with, people who you can say, hey, hold up, I want to talk about this thing you said or did or this thing you're promoting or whatever. And you can do that in a private one-to-one way. Like that seems like the appropriate first step for like family or or people within, within your sphere. Calling out, it gets a little more tricky. And I think as we move through the progression, it gets more and more tricky to define where that is. So I think calling out if Pepsi did something that I thought was like <laughs> disgusting, like I can't call in Pepsi. I don't have that influence, right? So calling out at that point becomes appropriate, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's the next step, I think, is like boycotting. And so that can be very literal in the sense of like a financial boycott. Goya this is an example of, of a boycott. Not Goya. It was Not so Goya. Oh, my heart. <laughs> and so, you know, there there's a long history of boycotting. And then for me, the final step is canceling, which is essentially like a boycott, but like you're dead to me. Boycott. Yeah. Totally. Well, because boycott with that, because a lot of people compare cancel culture to boycotting. I was like, ah, ah. Because with boycotting, there was, we want recompense. Right. It's like a protest. It's like, I have a demand Mm -hmm. and I will not be giving you my money or I will not be giving you my attention or I will not be promoting you until you give me what I am demanding. Exactly. It's demanding change. It's like they're like, we're not asking Pepsi, like if you use your example, to go up in flames. We're asking you to have better business practice. We're asking you to cut your admissions. We're asking you to make sustainable change in order to benefit and to b- better everyone around you. That's the thing. Like, do those things and we cool. Cancellation is your right. It's like tossing the match, lighting it, and walking away. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like that is in some ways so much more satisfying. So I understand that impulse. I'm Ooh. always like, burn that shit to the ground. Mm, oh, do- doggy ear that. We have to come back to that. Yeah. Because- I mean, I understand that impulse. But what I'm saying is like, what is your intent? That's what you always have to go back to. Like, do you want change or are you just, I'm done with this? And that's like the big distinction. And so I think in many circumstances, People tend to be more 
in the boycott mentality, but they call it cancellation. Mm-hmm. Or people think they have the power to burn shit to the ground and they don't. Mm-hmm. And they still call it cancellation, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, girl, I mean, let's look here. We have just trying to define what we're actually going to be talking about. It's, yeah. it's tricky. And I think we've tried to make it, we've tried to make it too easy. Mm-hmm. And just trying to like, like I said, not being able to differentiate between these actions. So I think going forward of making sure we're kind of like defining what we mean, because I think even people who want to dismantle cancel culture, once again, are not talking about because uh, there, there's an article I read about talking, they're breaking it down and, you know, looking back at other options outside of canceling, but they're saying that in that they're talking, they're losing the boycott aspect Mm. They're like, well, how can you not see that the impact this has been? It's like, oh, no, that's not what I'm talking about. So even just taking the time to define and being clear of what Danny mentioned already, your intentions. So I, I guess through our conversation, we can we can I feel like we're both saying we think cancel culture is a real thing. Uh, well, well, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the way people talk about cancel culture, it's not real. Like, I I don't think, I think it feels very cathartic and, like, it's actually happening. Like, you did something when you're, like, get on Twitter and you're, like, this shit's canceled, along with, you know, tons of other people. But in most cases, it tends to be either, like, a corporation or, like, an individual or, like, a pop culture thing that can't really be canceled just by... A few dozen, few hundred, few thousand people being like, this is canceled, especially with the the lifespan of memory we currently Mm. have, where it's like, Goya was like a hot topic for a weekend, and (laughs) it was like, no one talked about it anymore. Mm, That goldfish phenomenon. Exactly, exactly. Because it's like, it's so cathartic in that moment, you feel like you did something, and then you can just walk away. But I mean, if we're talking true cancellation, it's just like anything else. That is continued work. Like you're going to be doing that cancellation for the rest of your life if it's like truly canceled. And people don't don't put in that kind of work. And it tends to be just impossible. Mm. I think the intention behind cancel culture is there. Mm. And people feel very strongly, but I don't I don't think it works the way people the narrative would like us to believe that it works Mm. see that one for that reason i find this one tricky to answer when i think about big corporations and people canceling it i'm like oh honey they don't miss your dollars yeah they might see like the slightest hair dip maybe and they might feel the sting they might have a couple of nasty articles written about them but like you said in the the span of corporateness Girl, please. Like, that's adorable. On the other hand, I have seen, I think, singular people when we're talking about the cancel culture. There have been certain people who have achieved a certain amount of power once again with the memory of people within a few weeks, 
people will forget and it'll be a thing of the past until somebody finds a tweet, come back up again, and then next year it might be up for, you know, a whole day and then you'll move on, you know, even in researching it, we're just like, oh, I didn't know so-and-so was canceled. Oh, this was from eight years ago. Oh, (laughs) you know, that might come up every once in a while. Uh, But I do think there are some people who have, for lack of a better word, suffered the consequences for cancellation. It just, I think it just kind of depends on their realm of influence, uh, the support they have, the grievance against them. But there, I think there are some really interesting factors into that. But like, but who? Like, who would be on your your list that has actually seen the consequences of this? I guess, well, I'm thinking more like artists. There have been like some comedians say, oh, I can't get work. Oh, I haven't been able to do anything. I've got fired. I lost the job. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not even saying that. Some people have been like, you've done something and now you're suffering consequences. but, But I think cancellation is supposed to be like, forever. And Mm. I cannot think of one example where that's the case. So I'm just curious if you have an example where that's the case. And see, I think cancellation is just honestly punishment. That's the way it went. At least the feeling and the vibe, I get it. Like they just want you to be punished. I wish I, part of me wishes it was like, we're done and forever. Like we said, you're dead to me. Cause I think that's the intent, but I feel like it has morphed into you must pay. I think this goes back to my my whole point, like cancel culture isn't real because mm. like if there is no actual measurable, if the intent here is just you will pay, like there's no measurable outcome of mm. that. So like what does that even mean? Like I think I know this is a corporate example, but like Chick-fil-A. Like, people were all like, Chick-fil-A is canceled, like, before cancel culture was even a thing because, Mm -hmm. you know, bunch of bigots. So, Mm -hmm. but, like, Chick-fil-A is fine. Like, I'm over Mm -hmm. here watching Hulu and, like, every other commercial is a Chick-fil-A and Spanish commercial for me. So, like... Which don't you, girl, don't even get me started. I'm like, how, why is this in Spanish? But it's... You know, like, it's not canceled. Like, I haven't Mm. gone to Chick-fil-A since, like, 2003, but that doesn't mean they're canceled. Mm. Other examples, like celebrity examples, like Louis C.K., canceled. But, like, is he really canceled? Like, I haven't seen him in anything recently, but, like, I don't think this has really impacted everything. It's changed, perhaps, some of the job opportunities he had or had him like step back from some things but is that really being canceled Aziz Ansari also canceled but like he was still posting on Instagram and went back on tour and like half of the comments on every post were like you're canceled and then the other half are like I'm so glad you're doing comedy again I can't wait to see you so like that's not really being canceled Hmm, so by that standpoint, you don't think cancel culture exists? No, I don't think so. I think it's just a cathartic experience people are telling themselves that they're having. But it's mm. like no real measurable results or minuscule measurable results. Well, I, I honestly don't think people care about results. I think it's just wanting to feel a, a part of it. I think it, it actually kind of talks a little bit about we talked about that critical thinking in the Sleeping Walking White article that you you kind of suggested that I think it really kind of promotes that performative social justice. Yeah, absolutely. Which I think that's why I'm like, I think it is a real thing people are doing just doesn't get the output that they think it does. Yeah. I don't, 
It doesn't create the impact. People actually participating in it, I think, is a very, very real thing. I just do not think it's getting the result. I think they think it's going to create a systemic change. I think they're thinking it's going to make that person pay. It's not getting the results that they're getting because I don't think it works. It doesn't work that way because it is performative. Yeah, exactly. And so I think like anything that's performative, it's not real. You're using the word performative. Like it's a performance. It's not real. It's mm. fake. And yes, people are like really doing it. I don't think anyone's denying that there's people out there saying people are canceled or being all like, Harry Potter has no author or whatever. Ah, are people saying that? <laughs> yeah, I've seen that several times. It's like Harry Potter, who somehow has no author. And I'm like, is that really like, are you really canceling <laughs> J.K. Rowling when you're saying it? Like, that's stupid. <laughs> okay, okay, that that one, that one. All, it, of course, it would take Harry Potter to bring it home for me, you know. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think you're absolutely right that like a lot of times the impulse behind it, at least what it has morphed into, is this performative aspect. Um, mm-hmm. And to bring it back to the article, she has. Which she's talking about like white allyship and thinking about it's like, oh, white allies, now you think you're part of the us in the us mm-hmm. versus them. So I think it's this weird cultural moment we're living in where there is a lot of us versus them, but it can all take place online and can take place in really inauthentic ways. So it's easy to be like, I also hate JK Rowling, so I'm part of the the team here. And <laughs> I don't... Mm. I don't know. It, it It's, once again, go back to intentions. Like, what's your intention? Do you want her to change her crazy turf ideas and, like, have her say something else? Because by saying she's canceled, you're not going to get that. Mm. Are, you, are you just in it to feel that exhilaration of being on the team, being right? being righteous is it Mm -hmm. like to be able to like express your anger like what is the intention behind your your cancel culture steps Mm. and I think that's that's like if I my heart that I'm still processing of like so what is like my beef with the idea of cancel culture Mm. and it's it's what it's not and to me and people it's it's not accountability it's not justice it's not healing, it's not restorative, and it's not repairing anything. And I feel even just saying this out loud for people who actually really rely on the concept of cancel culture, for people who think it's somehow effective, even people who are in the social justice circuit actually will get behind and get on that horse of cancel culture. But I I don't, I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing these things coming to fruition when we call out for justice and for things to have actual change. We talked about it when our episode about an apology, right? Mm -hmm. It needs to have accountability. It needs to have recompense. It needs to have what now? Like you have done this thing wrong. You have done this thing that is hurtful. You have done this thing that's offensive. But when you just cut that person off, you, you stop that dead in its tracks. There's no learning. There's no growth. There's no, no one can heal from that when you just like chop that bee off. You know, I just, I can't, I can't get behind that. But, you know, I also think on the other end of it, like fuck Chick-fil-A. I don't need to think about them ever again. Like I'm talking Mm -hmm. about them now, but I can train myself so I don't miss their waffle fries. You know, it's fine. Like Mm -hmm. I can live my life just fine cutting Chick-fil-A out of my life. Is that a battle I want to have to make Chick-fil-A, to make them like 
actually respect LGBTQIA people. I think there are battles that I can win and there are battles that I can't. Mm. And so drawing that line and saying, nope, I'm done with this. It is not taking up space in my life. I think that that is also healthy. Mm -hmm. So it's that slope of figuring out where is this line and how do I best express where I'm standing in this line? Mm. Me going on Twitter and being like in 2021, being like <laughs> Chick Fil A is still canceled. Like it's not, it's not going to do anything. It's like not mm-hmm. helpful for me. It's not helpful for the cause. Who cares? And I don't. It's not something I need to recruit people into thinking. But on the other hand, there might be something that is like very current that I do want to weigh in on and I do want to have that strong line and I want to express that line and hopefully like get a whole mob around me to express that line. So I think that's like the impulse of where people do want to fall into cancel culture. And while it might not be able to change the system, it might be something that is necessary for individuals. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's the crazy part. So for me, when I say I don't believe in cancel culture, I want to abolish that and replace it with accountability and just you know things of that nature. And you're right. And I like the example of Chick Fil A because for you personally, you that's not a hill to die on. Like yeah. like you said, that that's not it. But somewhere out there, someone feels incredibly passionate and. They want that. They want them to change and they are gathering their troops and they feel like by making them accountable, especially because of their religious stance, this is going to change something deeper than waffle fries. But that's that's them. That's that interpersonal work, though, of what they feel very strongly about. And and that that's where I'm like I said, where I'm struggling with, because I think of someone, uh, R. Kelly, Mm. someone who I find to be very vile, uh, have not listened to his music, has not consumed any of his stuff in very, 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 very long time. And to, I guess the way that I'm participating is, is a cancel culture thing. Like he is like dead to me. Like yeah. that, like that, that idea. And for me, I'm like, well, Danica, wouldn't it be better if he did still pay his price, went to jail and have any money he ever made go into helping and healing and having restorative relationship to all the women he have hurt. But part of me is also like, nope, I just want him to sit. I want him to rot. I don't want him to get therapy. I don't want him to be rehabilitated. I want him to stay locked up somewhere where he can never hurt anyone. And I want anyone around who had anything to do with it, whoever gave him girls who signed up on all the paper, who turned away to also pay. Like, it's bad, Danny. Like, I had that very strong sense in my mind of like, he does not deserve that. It's done. Cancel, dead, light the fire, get warmed by it, douse yeah. that fire. And it's so, yeah. Both these examples, Chick-fil-A and R. Kelly, are examples where even if we were to amass like a ton of people, we're not changing anyone's minds We're not Mm -hmm. changing anyone's hearts. We are not going to be able to, within the systems that be, change the circumstances of these these things. And so I think that is where we, as people without power, are like seizing power where we can by Mm. canceling. And I think that that is the heart of cancel culture. But I think 
in order for cancel culture to work the way of the dream, like you're saying that he's like just out there rotting somewhere, we have to be like a monolith as a as a society, as a culture. Like exactly. everyone has to cancel R. Kelly. And you mm-hmm. know there are plenty of people out oh. there not canceling R. Kelly. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, his songs, I mean, during the the special of of Surviving R. Kelly, his music spiked. And that's another issue that I have with cancel culture, right? Cancel culture seems to often do the opposite of the intention. Yes. The Dr. Seuss thing recently. You know, the week that that statement came out from the Seuss estate that they're like, we're pulling these six books because they're inappropriate. Nine of the 10 bestsellers on Amazon were Dr. Seuss books. Yep, because it creates martyrdom. Yes. That's exactly. And that's why I even wanted to ask the question was because there was, uh, was it Kevin Hart, a comedian? He really shady, was horrible to his ex-wife. And he actually came out with a special calling out council culture to him. But then, of course, once again, the special was huge on Netflix. Like you said, going on tour and things of that nature. And... That's where people say it doesn't exist because they're doing the opposite. And I think when we're using it used in conservative political realms, too, it has also a very similar effect mm. of they want to try to cancel the way of life. Look what, you know, extreme liberals and this is what things are happening. And these are the changes that are going on. And you have the adverse effect because you have made a martyrdom. You have made someone in need of saving from this idea from a mob like mentality. And it goes the complete opposite way. And I think that's why I'm like, I wanted to discuss, is it actually real? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the same with Goya, right? Like people are all we're boycotting Goya. We're n- no one's going to buy their nasty ass beans. <laughs> and then, you know, you have on the other end people being like, no, nah, we all need to support Goya right now. Like, mm-hmm. Also, I'm just like, who cares? <laughs> not not what, like you said, once again, not not the hill. Not not now. Not in this time. Yeah, this isn't it. I mean, we're already living in the worst timeline. Like, there are plenty of other things we could be focused on. Like, if we all drew our collective energy to something that actually could have an impact, like, maybe that's a better use of our our energy. And that's, I think, the heart of where cancel culture began, right? Like, Mm -hmm. in the modern sense, in, in the speaking truth to power sense, no, we don't have powers as individuals, so we're going to come together to do something to make the impact of our collective voice heard, mm-hmm. which is also the root of boycotting, which is also the root mm-hmm. of protesting. Like, there are different ways to do it, and and I agree with your point earlier that, like, in many ways, cancel culture is just performative. It's, like, the easiest of these things. Exactly. Well, that's what I... When I look at the heart of boycott, there is sacrifice in there. Mm -hmm. I am going to withhold from this and encourage other people to do that at a sacrifice because it has to be a bit of a sacrifice, doesn't it? I think that's the thing. If it was easy, everyone would do it. And what would be the impact to begin with? And same thing with protest. There is something on the line there in that sacrifice and putting, letting your voice be heard. And with cancel culture, there is very little risk. Yeah. And so there's very little gain. And that's the part I really, really struggle with, with cancel culture and why I really struggle with people who see, you know, it's an effective way of creating change. And I'm like, I think we're talking two different things because all I see is a culture that makes it really hard to make mistakes. Yes. Yes. All I see is like, it's, you know, it takes away the opportunity to grow. It doesn't, it, 
it lends itself to be in a place where you don't have to do any of the individual work we've been talking about. It takes away that establishing personal boundaries and your own moral examination because you just kind of link to and click on it and retweet whatever has been going on. You just don't buy the beans and you go buy the can of beans right next to it from another company. And, you know, you don't go without. I don't know. It's we both talk. We've talked about on the show beforehand of just like, you know, I'm so glad that, you know, in our space that we're allowed to change our mind, we're allowed to grow. I mean, there's things I thought a year ago that I felt very certain on. But as you grow, as you educate yourself, as you're being called out or called in, as Danny said before, uh, within your community, you're, gosh, I can't imagine what it's like to not be able to live in a space where you're not allowed to say, hey, I believed that four or five years ago. I don't believe that now. I have grown. I have educated. I have changed. And I'm moving forward in my life. And I th- like, but with cancel culture, that's not allowed. No, it's not. I think if we're being honest, it's not allowed within American society anyway. Mm. Making mistakes is not is always a point of shame. And we're taught that from a very young age. And rather than own up to or admit our mistake and grow, it becomes a point of shame and to hide it or it becomes like a double down situation where like, even if (laughs) you know that you've made a mistake, you have no choice but to stand by that mistake. So I think it goes wider than cancel culture. So when people say that they have a problem with cancel culture, they're also, I think they would be better served by applying that to a wider societal problem of, Mm -hmm. Our fear of change, our fear of growth, and our our denial of seeing human beings as having the propensity to change. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a larger issue. It's satisfying, right? Um, and actual change takes time and energy, so you can't get that instant gratification the same way through like examination and like, as you said, calling in or calling out, like it's not going to be instant results. And in a fast paced society, it's hard to like do anything without instant results. Mm. So voice and calling out and these things are important. Yes. Do point out like this hypocrisy. Yes. Let me know these things so I can make informed decisions in my life and I can I can work on what I want to work on and find those hills I want to die on. And, you know, sometimes just individually cancel things in my life. As with many things we've talked about, declaring something canceled is not enough. That's one step. You can't just like do that and be done. You know, with Adrian uh, Marie Brown, the author of the book that we're reading this month of We Will Not Cancel Us, there's an interview that I really suggest that you all listen to. She says something that I was like, oh, I had to stop and just like sit with. And that's why I actually brought up the R. Kelly thing was there's pleasure in revenge. Yes. Yes. And oh, it feels so good. I love revenge. Yeah. I, no, and that's, that's that's the thing too. Like, I think we talked about, you know, months ago in a recording where I talked about, I was so upset and angry with uh, Bill Cosby and learning more. And I'm just like, done, Dunsky's out. And, but at the same time, been like, well, wouldn't it be more powerful if he actually was uh, rehabilitated, still in prison, still has to pay what it was, but being able to come to that conclusion and being able to feel the weight because someone who holds on that they were right and does never see their wrongdoing is never going to feel the weight of their consequence whatsoever. But 
So she says there's pleasure in revenge Mm. in this interview. And it was just like, because we live in this surveillance society. Like we're just, everything we do is underneath a a microscope. And you're right. It puts us in this place of ultra righteousness in a place where we get to be judge and jury and sometimes executioner because it just feels so dang good. And it's just so much easier. And, 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 there's a challenge of being able to look at an offender or someone, especially if you do like interpersonally or, you know what I mean? In that and being able to look at someone, it's so much easier to be like, you're done, you're canceled, it's over. But to actually be able to see that person in their humanity and talk about what does that look like to be able to come back from that and to learn from that, that's going to take growth on their part and work on mine to work through this hurt, to work through this offense. And I just don't think people in our, are in that place. And we talked about this before in giving a, an apology and also what to do when you've been hurt. Like that takes work and it takes getting past hurt to the other side. And I think a lot of people don't want to get to that other side. It's too hard. We've never been taught what, what the other side looks like. And when I think about within the community... As a Black woman, there have been people who do not fit into the well-mannered Negro frame or people we are just done with. And it's very popular to be like, they're not part of your growth. They're not part of your hustle. They're not part of that. They're done. Right. It's very it's very prevalent within that culture. And I am thinking to myself, look at that puts that person that we have canceled on the outside, right? Right. That puts them on the outside of the community. And what's on the outside of a community? Vultures. There's death in that. We can never create real change if we're constantly divided, if we're constantly putting people on the outside of that realm of circle of belonging and community. There's a lot of danger and hurt within that. Yeah. You see a lot of discussion of this on social media regarding like personal relationships in that way. And a lot of throwing around of like, that's toxic. <laughs> That's a toxic person. Leave all those toxic people behind. And I think when we get into that frame, there is not the same push for like personal introspection or extraspection. I don't think that's a word, but I think you you get what I'm saying. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like examining other people's actions. Um, It's more just like, nope, you canceled. Mm. And and that's what makes this so so we have like all these veins of different types of it, whether it be in pop culture, political, conservative, interpersonal, and we put this hard line. But once again, you have to do the work, you have to examine where you feel at, where are my boundaries personally, where is my boundary within this corporate white supremacy, capitalistic driven society? You know, what what does that look like within the arts? Where do I believe think there's there's room for art, but also room to make sure that we are still treating people with dignity and respect? Like looking at it through all of those different veins and avenues, girl, like it is work. But I think that's what you have to do in order to make the best, like we say, informed decision to really use those critical thinking to make impact not only for change within yourself, but also just around you. I think that makes you a person that can also accept criticism, can accept correction if you learn how to also to give correction properly and see what that looks like. And by all means, do the work and then draw those lines and that's fine. Mm -hmm. But just be mindfully drawing lines, I guess. Mm Mm-hmm. It's it's not easy. I'm still working on what those lines look like and where 
we talked about those levels of like, what am I boycotting? What am I just calling out on? What what am I? I'm like, you know what? I'm okay with this. Like on my like morally, I'm I'm fine. I can accept that, you know. And you have to kind of. I think this is like an extra thing. You're gonna have to be okay with people not being okay with your boundaries. I don't know. I don't know how you feel about that. I I don't know. I keep I try not to go to the extreme example of like R. Kelly because if someone's just been like, well, I feel like I can still enjoy his music, and I'm like, no, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But like who I can do I even have the right to judge like morally they're just like I don't believe in celebrating it's not him you know I want to celebrate the music I had great memories I don't think about that when I think about the music like do I get to judge them on their boundaries I probably shouldn't I don't girl I'm still walking through it probably shouldn't I don't know <laughs> yeah but I mean I think I think it works both ways like you probably shouldn't but if you've like done the work and decided that's like a hard line for you I also think someone else having a different line you can judge people maybe I'm asking the wrong person yeah. whether I should <laughs> yeah yeah I don't know I mean I think there is like a certain part of adulthood is like learning how to respect other people's opinions and boundaries and lines. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm not here for your racist, sexist, transphobic shit. And it's okay for me to be like, nah, that's not okay. Like, <laughs> I'm good. I'll pass. Yeah. Hard pass. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. that, I, But I'm really looking forward to workshopping through some some of the bigger cancellations, just kind of work through of what we think that looks like and our own our own process and practicing what is boundary making look like for these situations because that's another thing too you have to take each when you learn about something in the in the world, you have to take it individually. The world is like it's too fucked up to like. <laughs> I can't weigh in on every single thing. Like that would be Mm-mm. my entire life. And Ooh, girl, I I want to live. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want that to be my life. I'm sorry. But once again, you have to it's your boundaries. You're like, "Yes, I'm willing to fight here. I'm willing to do the research for someone who is very strong on environmental rights. Like that's going to be your life." And I can ally with them and I can encourage them and I can be there for them, but I'm like there's certain things I'm like, "Yep, I'm not going to go that hard. I'm not going to boycott this. I'm not that that's those are my lines and even they might not be where I am as far as you know like for social justice and uh, disability rights and things of that nature but it's like if we can agree that there are going to be areas where we all feel strongly or feel called to then that's great but it's like we talk about all the time you can't be all things to everyone or you uh, you can't you cannot possibly keep up with all things at all times I don't know I'm exhausted just like I already feel like I need to lie down after this episode yeah it took us almost an hour to get here but I'm like <laughs> I don't think we have come out to say exactly what what yeah. what what's the takeaway here for people should should people be canceling people what do you think ugh the takeaway is I think did we just did we just say that we don't think it exists? Is that way? Is that where we come to? I I think I think our takeaway for here today is that the idea of keep hearing this verbiage of cancel culture when you're hearing it is asking people to define what it is first. I think the takeaway is when you're hearing things that are canceled in in the world, 
to first realize what they're actually, what the intention behind that, what's the mm-hmm. action to it. I think that's the thing is like, first, when you hear about these things, what's the intention? What are they actually trying to do? And I think just like, that's a good step of just like, when you're hearing about these things in the world, when you're hearing people throwing this verbiage around, what is the intent? Who is saying it to whom and why? And then for interpersonally, maybe start exercising what it looks like to have that interpersonal relationship of what would it look like if this person was allowed to make mistakes? I think that's the two, the two veins of like that one-to-one interpersonal one. What would it look like for us to have a world where people are allowed to make mistakes? And what does it look like to have a place where people are, are drawn in and have that process of working through and having that growth of making those mistakes. And then in the world, being able to be like, practice those boundary making. I don't know. Yeah. The addition to that would just be cancel is like too broad a term to really Mm -hmm. like accomplish a thing. So in that sense, yes, perhaps we are saying it doesn't exist. But what we are saying is it is okay to establish boundaries. You don't have to support any shit that you don't want to support. You don't have to associate with people who do support the shit you don't want to support. But once again, just to, to restate what you said, think about how much that matters. Like, should you be allowing space for growth and change? Is growth and change your actual intention and what you'd like to see Mm -hmm. on the other side? And do you have the power to initiate that growth and change? I'm not going to change JK Rowling's mind about anything. Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't change her. I can't change her. So then it becomes, okay, so what do I want to do with the fact that she believes very different things than I believe. And I disagree with a lot of things she's been saying. Like, what do I want to do with that fact? Do I want to boycott her? Do I want to pretend like Harry Potter has no author? Spoiler alert. I don't want to pretend that because it's stupid. Um, (laughs) Like, like, where do I want to fall on this list? Do I want to do anything about it? Right? Like, there are so many considerations. So I think what we're saying is rather than just like acting like a a reflexive reactionary response to Mm -hmm. something or saying something on social media is like the end all be all, that's not going to do anything. So Mm -hmm. I guess we're just saying, please be a little deeper than just declaring someone Mm -hmm. canceled. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I think as always, like we, I feel like we beat a dead horse. We should probably say that beating a dead horse into the ground. If we could reiterate constantly is like, you, you need to do the work. You really do. And the thing is, it's worth it because when you, when we do some of these episodes, it's been so great to be able to stretch and go deeper and figure out where do I actually stand on something enough to be able to articulate how I feel very clearly and very firmly and very confidently. And let me tell you, you can't you can't buy that when we're talking about these hard issues. Mm. So even when come, someone comes up against me with something opposing, you can take what they have, you know, go through, go through and sift out, been like, you know, I do see that. Um, that is a good question to ask myself, but still not feel like you are being personally attacked this is something that you're like nope I've done the research I've I've done the work I feel quite confident on that but once again we all grow and we all change it's true so it's oh it's I'm really looking forward to I'm glad we have like two episodes to to kind of 
lean over all of this because I mean, we might change our mind next episode. Who knows? (laughs) It's too much. It's too hard. I can't. We've just, we've canceled the second part of the cancellation episode. Is that too tongue in cheek? (laughs) (laughs) I'm ready to do some canceling of our own. Oh, are we? (laughs) Or at least just getting mad. Yeah, let's 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 get mad. Matter. All right. So this has been big on the news. And uh, <laughs> let let's hear all of your thoughts and your in your heart, in your feelings about who, if anyone, needs to be canceled in this situation. <laughs> Elon Musk hosting SNL. I know this isn't necessarily like a race related getting mad, which most of ours are. Yeah. But it just felt like so appropriate for this this week. So what do you think? I'm just still I'm perplexed. Like for I kept rereading it. I'm like, am I getting it right that Elon Musk and I kept thinking like is someone else named Elon Musk and I've missed it like does that make sense like Mm. I kept looking at to make sure I was thinking of the same person I'm like is there I'm terrible at celebrities like to be completely fair so I kept looking at it I'm like oh obviously this is someone else in pop culture nope it's the same ridiculous jerk and the fact that I feelings are always mixed towards Elon Musk within the media world but what I find actually really interesting and also infuriating is that the cast of snl have voiced their they're not happy (laughs) i mean but trump hosted and no one was happy about that either so exactly so that's what i'm I'm like how can you have a cast it's cast driven they write they work how and they have to work very intimately and they work extra hard to make sure the guest star is they're right they feel comfortable they basically work around making sure that they shine that it's funny it's fluid and things of that nature and to me for them to keep putting on things that the majority of players are not comfortable with kind of miss like i don't get it i'm not understanding like i don't know the process of how they choose people is there a magical hat i want imagine that there's a old dingy hat that they've had there since like the 60s and they put random names in there when they've all had one too many late at night and write like writing and they put their hand in there and they're just like oh that would be hilarious if elon musk was on the show i don't understand i don't get it I don't understand it. Well, I think there's a lot of factors to answer your question. One, he could have bought his way onto SNL easily. Like, who knows? Two, all the talk surrounding it, including us right here, is like Mm -hmm. so much free publicity for both Elon Mm -hmm. Musk and SNL. Right. I don't know what their ratings are like lately, but like no doubt there are going to be people who tune in just to see what that's going to be like, right? Yeah, you're right. Um, Girl, you're right. So, I mean, I I don't know. Do we need to talk about why Elon Musk is trash? Canceled. (laughs) No. (laughs) No, I mean, I can't cancel Elon Musk. Girl, who can? No, no one. Not with that much money. No. I think it's so infuriating because it's like everyone's getting mad, like, any of us have any say about what mm-hmm. happens like it's gonna happen 
The cast, yeah. if the cast is mad about it and still going to happen, I know. what's our little podcast going to do about it? Nothing. Oh, I know. I know. Or people, you know, getting mad on Twitter. Though I am here for like the lists that people have been posting who are like potential SNL hosts who would rank above Elon Musk. Um, oh my goodness. Have you seen any of these? <gasps> no, please tell me you have one. Yeah, here's one. You ready? Yes. Yes. The Monopoly guy. <laughs> the reanimated ghost of Ted Bundy. <laughs> Any animal who has been featured on local news for doing cool tricks. <laughs> Is Pizza Rat still alive? Oh, Pizza Rat. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I would also I would put him on the same plane as the Monopoly guy who does have a name, but I don't know what it is. Mr. Moneybags, I think. Something like that. It sounds rich. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it sounds, super, sounds so rich. It um, sounds super rich. Comedy purists are, of course, angry, too, because they're like, he's not personable and he's not funny. Like, politics aside, like, which is also <laughs> a valid point. <laughs> I mean, they. I mean, if we're going to go down that vein, let's not, because they've had plenty of people who have not been funny or personable onto the show. So That's true. Um, let, let's not look up that list. I, but I, I mean, don't know. It, as far like I said, it wasn't about race, but it but it all comes back to race, right? Oh yes, uh, about why he's garbage. At least I mean, he is the first uh, SNL host to profit directly from apartheid. So there's that. <laughs> South Africa in the house. Um, I, I you know, and a, a lot of people want to make him out to be like this tycoon industry hero. It came to America. No, he's just a rich, privileged guy who just mm-hmm. used his wealth to get more wealthy and to exactly buy other people's ideas mm-hmm. and mistreat people along the way. Live in the American dream. Exactly. Turn and burn. And and, and that and they talk about comedy like being like escapism, right? And it's so hard when, like... But SNL has never claimed to be escapism. Oh, no, 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 no. Not not, not in a long time. In fact, they actually take the thing you're trying to escape from and put it right in your face. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah this is yeah. someone who was, like... Lo- that was, like, the dream when little high school D'Amica, that was, like, I was going to go and study improv and go to Chicago and go p- be part of, you know, Second City and then get on SNL. Like, that was the dream. But it's... That, that that is super duper hard. That um, I guess in my mind, I just feel bad for the cast of like once again, like you said, if they, it's who has the power, and it's it's not us. It's not. I, it feels like a show like that. It's beyond viewership. Do you know what I mean? So I think that's the part that makes me really mad. Is that it doesn't seem like we have any say of who actually gets on there, and it doesn't feel like they actually care about the people who are putting in the long hours and actually performing it. And that that's the part. Like Ian, like he is a a symptom of the bigger issue because they have done this. I mean, I remember when what's the comedians? Uh, an insult comic dice from like the eighties and nineties, very misogynistic, very horrible to females, and he was a guest star in the eighties, nineties, I believe. And I remember reading about that and people were just kind of like outraged the the female cast were like i'm not working with him he is tr- like he's horrific so it's nothing new but it just it just gets me that in the world of the arts and we've talked about it the arts are not above being as controversial uh controversial as any other realm of work but i don't know it's that one makes me less mad and more frustrated mm, yeah i don't know honestly it's like Elon Musk just makes me mad. 
<laughs> just his face. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of SNL either. So <laughs> I used to like I said, a big, huge, massive fan. I really enjoy a nerd of sketch comedy, but it's it's hard. It's getting harder. The older I get, I'm just like, uh well, I mean, I hadn't watched it for years. I went to England. I couldn't get it over there. So I quit cold turkey. Um, I haven't watched it since I was back. <clears throat> I'll watch like a monologue every once in a while. If someone has like a really good monologue, I'll check into it. But um, I feel old now. I don't get half of the references mm. or I don't know who the musical guests are. And that actually is probably why <laughs> like, I'm so old. I'm like, oh my goodness. I can't. I don't know. Like, why does this rapper have like emojis in his name? I feel so old. I can't. Now that makes me mad. Well, like, I think the musical guest is like Miley Cyrus or something uh, <laughs> with Elon Musk. So someone, someone, someone up Miley. super relevant. Yeah. <laughs> someone, someone make sure that girl doesn't get into too much trouble with Elon Musk around. Uh, he has, he has a uh, Grimes. <laughs> Your girl Grimes. <laughs> oh, uh, I have such mixed feelings about Grimes, but. I'm not going to cancel her. I'm not going to stop listening to her weird music. <laughs> it was like your happy place. Yeah, when, like, no, I like, yeah. I like her weird music. She continues to become more and more problematic and is married or partnered with Elon Musk. So <sighs> let's uh, <laughs> let's get happy, shall we? It's been a very defeating episode. <laughs> yes, let's please go get happy. all right tamika tell me the things what's making you happy since i've never been more aware of how little control that I have in this life, I think the best place to escape from that is in the world of books. Mm. And um, I'm finally getting the chance to read The Deep by uh, Rivers uh, Salomon, Solomon, Sol- I think. Yeah. Solomon. I'm finally, I mean, by read, I mean, I take it in the car with me when I go pick up my daughter. Cause that's like my one guilt free time. <laughs> so I go, I sit in the car and I read this book. It's not even a huge book guys. It's a and novella. Yeah, and so it's it's super cute, but I um I just really really love it. The premise is is that of course it's Afrofuturism, and it goes back to the slave ships when they were tossing pregnant women, pregnant slaves overboard, and they're saying that the their unborn children were born underwater and have created this 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 tribe, this colony of mermaid like people. And yep, story ensues. I don't want to give too much away. Because it is a novella. But yeah, I think just having that escape. I mean, we talked about, or maybe we haven't talked about Afrofuturism, but it's like Wakanda, like that, that, that kind of really restores people of color in these unique genres. And I think with all the imagery and the death, it's just nice that even in a fictional sense to imagine something beautiful and futuristic 
And in a world where race doesn't necessarily play like the most impacting part or integral part. And it's just, it's interesting. I mean, this book does not necessarily, I mean, it's heavily based upon the themes of race, but it's just, it's a beautiful world. Yeah. And I'm just really enjoying it. Hopefully I'll get to finish it sometime before the end of 2021. But (laughs) But it does, it makes me happy. But yeah. What about you? Mm, I'm going to go with... Overcast days. Mm. I mean, they give me all the mixed feelings, to be fair, because I would much rather be like reading a book um, on a day. And unfortunately, or perhaps fortunately, we don't have many overcast days in in New Mexico. So they they feel special and I can't choose when they happen. So they usually happen on weekdays when I have to work. But but there's something that just like feels so quiet about an overcast day, which is like really calming in a chaotic world. So mm, I miss the specialness of of that. I love there's nothing like being on social media in the desert and having people be like, it's raining. It's like, I don't know how I like feel about that. Every single person has to post about like every time it rains. It's, I know. It's so cute, though. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I'm just like, <laughs> who who's your audience here? Because if your audience is other people in Albuquerque, like I know. Like, I can look out the window. I know. If it's, like, other people around the world, it's also, like, who cares? (laughs) I don't know. Well, I I think, mate, you're not wrong. But, girl, if we're going to start there, let's start there about people not being aware who their audience is. Like, someone who loves to take... We've talked about this on the show before. Yeah, like, no one cares about your crock pot meal, Diane. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. But there probably is one person out there who it like makes their fucking day to see it. Yeah. So who yeah. am I to judge? I don't have to look at it. You do you. Post all the pictures every time it rains. Don't worry about me. And see, I, I'm only annoyed by it now because I've lived in England and now I live in Washington State. And they're just like, oh, it's raining. I'm like, oh, is it? Oh, do you want some rain? you're like there were like five drops that fell from the sky that's not rain yeah exactly exactly but now i have the inverse issue is people are like it's sunny it's so it's actually really funny to kind of live in a place where people like praise the sun gods and they can be able to picnic at a drop of a hat they're just like it's only a light drizzle let's wash the cars it's so it's just so funny to live in such different climatic places so it's um it's interesting for sure but oh i hope there's like i hope the storm like holds out to where you can kind of enjoy a little bit of it yeah we'll see i mean it just being overcast is enough Mm, indeed all right let's let's wrap this up so we'd like to know what you think about cancel culture and about our non-definition definition of cancel culture <laughs> um you can let us know via email by racial unicorns at gmail.com you can also reach out to us on social media we're on facebook and instagram at biracial unicorns we're also on twitter at biracial magic feel mm. free to send us all all the dank memes about elon musk on snl 
as well. <laughs> the danker, the better. Uh, we want to give a huge shout out to Dolly Pop Art for our very iconic unicorn post. Please go follow her. Check her shop out. Check her prints out. They're super cool. We want to give a huge shout out as well to Joseph Scott, who's done our intro and outro music. We also want to say hey girl hey to So Smith Photography, who's done some lovely photos for us. Uh, please, 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 if you want to support your local unicorns, we would really appreciate a review. That really helps us out. In the world where we have no control, it's nice to uh, pretend that we do. And you all giving us those reviews help us live that fantasy. But no, really, we'd love for you to review us, love to rate us, and that just really helps us if you feel like financially supporting us, you can just buy us a cup of coffee. There's nothing crazy or formal. Um, We do do all the things ourselves and basically anything we get just pretty much goes into just keeping everything going and uh, the place to store all of our our, um, our podcasts and such. So yeah, please let us know if you also have any um, current cancellations you want us to kind yes. of talk through. I would love for you all to be like, hey, what do you think about, you know, Kermit being canceled. And so we would love, love, love for you to send us those things and we can kind of dissect those a little bit. You know, my my reaction to Kermit being canceled is the meme of Kermit <laughs> sipping the tea. That's yes. my reaction. Exactly. He is he is all of us. He is all of us. Yeah. Yeah. All right, y'all. We'll be back next week with a mini-sode and in two weeks with another full episode about the cancel culture. Mm -hmm. All right, peace. Out.